Welcome into the Illini cast. I'm your host, Austin Berklin, alongside Sonny Verna. And Sonny, my God, what a terrible performance by this Illini offense against the Penn State Nittany Lions. I I knew it was going to be a blowout loss. I had 41 to 14 as in our Penn State preview episode, but I did not think that this offense would be that bad. So let's get your just initial impressions on this Penn State win over Illinois. You know, it, you know, the tone of our last podcast was kind of somber because we knew that this game was probably wasn't going to be close and that when we were going to record this episode that we weren't going to be in the best mood. But what really just digs a knife is that that game was actually winnable, which I didn't think was last week. You know, 16-7 at half, and I'm sure we're going to get into it. Like, this was a game that we had at home. If you look at the analytics, you know, we went head-to-head with Penn State. It's not like Penn State uh, blew us out like the scoreboard uh, dictates. But just what makes this feeling worse is knowing that we were capable of beating them, but it was just the performance of probably our best player that just he fumbled the bag and, you know, People are watching watch that game and think that you know he's a bad quarterback and Illinois isn't there to contend. When I I, I don't know. I I mean Drew Aller again. If you would have told me this before the game, no other context. Drew Aller sixteen for thirty three, two hundred and eight yards, no touchdowns, and a quarterback rating the ESPN QBR of sixty six point six. I would have said okay, Illinois has a legit chance. And then if you would have told me the score 30 to 13, I would have been like, how did that happen? And then that person would probably have to tell me, hey, Luke Altmaier, four interceptions. I mean, we'll get to Luke Altmaier in a second, but I think there are some big fundamental flaws in this offense that definitely need to be covered because Reggie Love, 12 carries for 55 yards. He did have a touchdown. But you look at Josh McCray, four carries, minus two yards, and a fumble. I mean, the running game just can't get going right now. I don't know if Illinois should have grabbed a transfer running back in the offseason because it kind of concerns me that they looked at this room and was like, you know what? These are the guys. So that's kind of concerning to me is this running back room, and especially with Brett Bielema, knowing how he loves using his running backs, how he thought this group was – going to be that group yeah I think Brett's rethinking that decision too you know a lot of us were wondering if he'd go for another running back to pair with love uh you know he had a lot of faith in Josh McCray McCray obviously had a really promising freshman year but I don't know if it's the injuries or what he just does not look like the same powerful player that he was uh that year you know we're at the point you know his fumble was a tough fumble to lose early in the game because again at that point we were playing them you know step to step you know they hadn't scored we were driving again it, I, it might be time for brett to look in that uh, running backs room which is a talented room and it might be time to give one of the younger it's guys deep at least yeah d- yeah they're they're very green but i think we're at the point where if josh can't produce what we want him to to produce on the field let's give one of the young guys a shot you know there we have a couple four stars down there let's see if they're capable 
we've got a couple easier games coming up between uh, with Florida Atlantic, and I'm sure uh, we'll talk about them in a later episode. I think he's got he's the one who sees Josh McCray every day in practice, and he keeps putting him out there on the field, but he's not performing right now, and we're kind of at a point in our season where we need our running game to help Luke Altmaier out because we've seen that ultimately Luke Altmaier is a young quarterback. He's going to be making mistakes, so he needs a solid running game foundation behind him to, you know, help him out on cases like Saturday. I'd be remiss to say that we do have big game boomer on the podcast later. Forgot to mention that, but we do have him coming up in the next segment. So get, get, look, get looking forward to that. But going back to this game, I mean, my goodness, the older wide receivers, I think they are in trouble of losing their spot to some of these younger guys. Malik Elzey had that nice touchdown pass to end the game. Ashton Hollins had a great play as well. Canary uh, Wiltshire had three receptions for 51 yards. Casey Washington gave you absolutely nothing. He was not getting any separation from these Penn State defenders. Yes, these are really athletic defensive backs. You may not see that again in the Big Ten West. But it is concerning whenever your older receivers are kind of your weak links. At least they were on Saturday against Penn State. Yeah, it's the same thing. You know, when your quarterback quarterback is having a rough game, you want your receivers to be making those tough catches. Same idea, you know, as I kind of discussed with the running back room. You know, Malik Elsey, to me, the couple times I've seen him on the field, you can tell he's a physical specimen. It might be time to give him some run uh, Saturday against Florida Atlantic. Let's see what he's capable of doing. If for nothing else, to push the guys ahead of him. You know, to let them know, like, hey, don't get complacent. You know, just because you're a upperclassman doesn't mean that the job is yours. We're trying to win here in Champaign and we've got talented players that we've been recruiting. So you need to earn your spot. You're not going to be given your spot uh, as a starting wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, this wide receiver room, let's go with Pat Bryant. One catch for 16 yards, Casey Washington, two receptions for 22 yards. And then tip Ryman, uh, the tight end, three receptions for 23 yards. That's a good game. But your older guys just did not do a dang thing to help Luke Altmaier out. And Luke Altmaier needed all the help he can get. Four interceptions, like I said, I can't stop with that number because, like Brett said, if you throw four interceptions, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You're probably going to lose. And I would agree with him. I, I don't know if there would be a game that on Illinois' schedule that they'd win with Luke Altmaier throwing four interceptions. That includes FAU. Yeah, and certainly not against the number seven team in the country. Um, there's no way to really sugarcoat it. You know, this was just his worst game of his career. Um, I think he was a little rattled, uh, you know, once the third uh, interception happened. And by then, Penn State was running away with it. So our game plan of rushing the ball was thrown out the window. He's trying to force plays, but it's one thing when you're trying to force plays, but you're already starting to feel a little heat about the previous turnovers you had. I, I just think if I was Brett, I probably would have taken him out, out a little earlier in the game um, just because he's a young kid. Just let him, you know, move on and not be overthink things. But then we saw Paddock come in and Paddock didn't look like he knew he belonged on that field either. So it's just it's a tough game. I'm not going to be mad at Luke Allmeyer because, you know, he was our best player in our first two weeks. But 
it's just unfortunate that his worst game had to come when the rest of the team probably had their best performance of the year. It's very frustrating. I mean, Jerzon Newton, what more can we say about that guy? He was the best player on the field against the number seven team in the country. He made Olu the left tackle, who's probably going to be the third pick in the draft. He made that entire offensive line, including him, look like fools. He was getting everywhere. He was getting to Drew Aller. He was forcing quarterback rushes. He was getting the paw, He was getting his paw up and batting balls down to the line of scrimmage. There, there was opportunities where he was flying to the opposite side of the field, tackling running backs. I mean, there was not a play that Jerzon Newton didn't impact in this game. And for him to have that type of performance and – for Barry Lenny's offense to struggle the way that happened, it was just so maddening because you saw that you saw a path to victory and Illinois couldn't take advantage of it, whether it was because of some mistimely penalties, the Josh McCray fumble, the running game not being able to pick up again, like 62 yards rushing total for this Illini offense with a Brett Bielema team. I think that offensive line needs to look themselves in the eye and think, how are we helping these running backs? Because right now, those guys aren't doing enough to help this running game out. And these running backs, again, probably need to go with the, the youthful route minus Reggie Love, who I think can have good performances. But Barry Lenny Jr. just gives up on the running game a little early during possessions. Yeah, going back to the Johnny Newton talk, uh, Johnny Newton made a, himself a lot of money on Saturday. I saw that there were over a dozen scouts uh, watching the game. Um, Big Ten fans, for the most part, knew about Johnny Newton and knew of his talent level. But as we were watching the game and I was, I was uh, browsing Twitter, it's a lot of the national writers, a lot of the national journalists who were talking about, hey, this Johnny Newton guy, you know, he, this is a first-round talent. Who is this guy? You know, he was going up against, as you were saying, you know, NFL-level talent on the Penn State offensive line. And he was embarrassing them. You know, he was making them look out, look as if they were high schoolers. And uh, it, that's definitely a huge plus point because obviously he was nowhere to be seen in Toledo. He had a pretty good game uh, against Kansas. And he saved his best performance for our biggest game of the year. And to no fault of his, uh, we lost um, on Saturday. And word to Aaron Henry and Brett Bielema. When that guy is in the game in a blowout, take him out. I don't care what he says. Please take him out. Right. Seeing him on the ground gave me a heart attack. And I'm like, why was he in this game in the first place? I, I know Aaron Henry in today's press conference said, uh, it's just who he is. He's going he's gonna to want to play. I, I don't care. Take him right. out. You have Big Ten West games to win. You've not played a single Big Ten West game. And he can be the deciding factor in those games. Uh, whether If Luke Altmaier doesn't throw four interceptions, that's the big caveat. But in a majority of regular games, he can impact who is going to win and who is going to lose some of these Big Ten West matchups. It goes back to what you just said. You know, it's one and two. And yeah, a lot of Illinois fans are kind of down on this season uh, that we may not reach the expectations that we wanted. But the bottom line is we haven't played any of the teams of the Big Ten West yet. Technically, our season's barely started, you know? Right now, yeah. Johnny Newton's the key 
for our season moving forward. You know, our schedule, I think we had one of the toughest first three games of any Power 5 team in the country. The schedule lightens up a little bit now. And now is when we can, if Johnny Newton can terrorize a Penn State offensive line, let's see what he does against, you know, the Minnesotas, the Nebraskas that we have coming up. But the key is he needs to be there. Because, again, there's going to be games where Luke throws a couple interceptions, hopefully not four, as you mentioned. But if our defense is showing up the way that they did on Saturday, we can absolutely still win the Big Ten West, and I still think you know we can win the Big Ten West. I mean, can we combine some things? Can we get the Luke Altmeyer who played that fourth down against Toledo and that entire Kansas game? plus the defense of this Penn State game, that's a complete team. That is a team (laughs) that looks like a Big Ten West favorite. But the fact that they haven't been able to tie those two together and play that complementary brand of football is kind of concerning as well because I thought there would be a lot more consistency out of this team, obviously, because I picked them to go 10-2. and They still might. I mean, there's only two losses to run the table the rest of the way, obviously. But... (laughs) I mean, realistically, I thought there'd be way more consistency uh, to tie the two ends together, but maybe that's just the mark of what an eight or seven win football team truly looks like. I mean, at this point, we let's hope, right? I mean, yeah. I still think we're going to win eight, but a lot of other people don't think we're reaching seven or eight wins now. You know, I had some people on my timeline telling me that we're going to finish last in the Big Ten. And, you know, again, it's just people haven't been watching every single game like you and I have been. Don't worry. So I, we, I do have a, we play Northwestern still. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And Michigan state looks like they're in a free fall right now, but I mean, you nailed it. You know, as long as we can combine the Luke Altmeyer from the first two games and the defense of the last game, I think, you know, we can go toe to toe with anybody in the West. And so that's why, you know, even today, you know, as lonely as I am on this uh, Illinois island, I'm still optimistic moving forward uh, the rest of the season. Let me ask you a question right now. Obviously, yeah. Altmaier, we talked enough about him. Everyone's been talking about him on uh, both our timelines. Do you, are you even entertaining the idea of benching him? No. For who? Paddock? I mean, I saw what he looked like. He looked like a guy who last played or could play in a division two game. Like, I know that's unfair because it was half time into the game and you're cold. You've been standing there for three hours as the announcer said during the game, but I I don't see him as the answer. I mean, you're going to have to find an established running game for Paddock to be successful. And Illinois hasn't proven that they can do that so far. So at least Luke Altmeyer has some legs that he can help that running game a little bit. And, you think Devin Leary? You think Devin Leary? No, like he's he's so green. Like right. I, I don't see a guy on the back end of that quarterback room that is the true bona fide Luke Altmeyer uh, successor. They're probably going to grab a transfer after he's gone. Like that's just the way of the jungle in the world of college sports. So I think that you just got to roll with him and hope that today, oh, hope that Saturday, pardon me was a learning experience for him. And if that's the case, then, uh, hey, we're all better off for it. This could be just that one embarrassing blemish that 
we all look back on that said, oh, man, remember that game Luke just targeted Casey Washington maybe one too many times and end up with four interceptions? That was hilarious. What what a comeback from him. Like, I, I very well could be that. Or this is the beginning of the demise, but I need to see way more of Luke Altmaier to decide if this is the end of Luke Altmaier. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. This part of Twitter, maybe I'm spending too much time on Twitter since I keep bringing it up, but it was driving me crazy. You know, I was reading well-established journalists talk about, is it is it time to replace, is there a QB controversy in Champaign? Listen, we haven't had a quarterback like this since Nathan, Nathan Shieldhouse. Okay, the first two games, he was uh, our best player by far on offense. There's no way we would even have entertained this as a topic last week. He's a four-star talent. He's a very good player. People forget that Luke Altmaier has less game experience than Drew Aller does. Okay, he's not going to be a stud freshman or stud from the beginning on and not have bad games. Yeah, it's unfortunate that his bad game came when all the eyes were watching, but this was a number seven team in the country, Penn State, with a very, very good defense and a running game that just did not help him out in any sort of way. I think I'm fully on the Luke Altmaier bandwagon. I think we need to support him. Um, I think how he performs the next two weeks is going to be very key to watch. Does, is he a fighter? Does he come back and does he, you know, go after it? Or does he, does this get into his head a little bit? But I think even entertaining the idea of benching him makes me feel sorry that that's where, like, this is why as Illinois fans, we've been searching for a quarterback forever. If we're going to give up on a young prospect with a high ceiling after one really bad game, against a very, very tough team. We need to drop that. Luke Altmaier is our quarterback this year. If we need to, we can explore the position next year. But this year, forget it. Let him play. Hopefully he doesn't get hurt. That's our quarterback. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I agreed with taking him out because you don't want to strip his confidence even more with five or six interceptions. There's a appearance by Riggins, my dog. Uh, yeah. But second it, it just – Yes, <laughs> but it just feels like Illinois fans need to cool off on Luke Altmaier, get off his back just a touch. Again, we don't know what Luke Altmaier truly is. We don't have a barometer of what Luke Altmaier looks like playing college football. So I think we need to establish, is this a downfall or is this just the hit fall before the rise? Like, so I, I think it's the latter. I think he has a lot of talent. I think Barry Lunny, again, didn't put him in the best position to lead this Illinois offense either because I I know we can't rely on his legs too much, but where were the designed runs at for Luke Altmaier? I feel like that was a piece that was missing from, his, from the tool belt that he could use. He was firmly in the pocket or he was handing the ball off. That's not truly who Luke Altmaier is, so I don't know what the why the change of pace for Luke Altmaier happened that way. Yeah, hopefully Florida Atlantic, you know, provides uh, a step down on competition level. You know, hopefully I'm hoping he can throw a couple touchdowns, get, you know, 250 yards passing, build that confidence back up because, you know, we got Purdue the following week. And as, you know, we talked about in our preseason episode, I think this that could be the most important game of the season for the fan bases. And it'll be uh, an important game for us kicking off Big Ten West season. 
I mean, let's talk a little bit more about some positives from this game because I feel like there were still a ton of positives from a 30-13 to 13 loss uh, to Penn State. Third down efficiency, Penn State, 7 for 18. I mean, this was a defense that was getting carved up on against Toledo and Kansas, and you stopped them on the most part on third downs against the number seven team in the country. And I talked about it before with penalties. I said, I just want to see them win the penalty battle. And apparently they listened to the Atlanta cast because they did. Illinois had six penalties for 47 yards. Penn State, seven penalties for 70 yards. Outside of the turnovers, Illinois was the more disciplined football team. You're, you're exactly right. And, you know, I tip my hat to Aaron Henry. We were pretty hard on him last episode. You know, we told him that the eyes were all on him and we wanted to see what kind of adjustments he was going to make. And he stepped up big time. You know, he had us in the game. I It's the offense that filled our defense this time around. You know, by the end of the game, as the it turned into a blowout, you almost felt bad for the defense because, you know, they were just exhausted from being on the field as, uh, as often as they were. Aaron Henry, you know, he just obviously you know we we talked about how he he was should brett take his play calling duties away from him um i think it was a resounding performance on his behalf um you know it's unfortunately our star defensive back who uh, made his triumphant return didn't stand didn't stay very long uh, matt bailey which i'm sure we're going to talk about in a little bit but it's just a gold star performance by the defense and i hope if we have this defense moving forward i think bare minimum we're a bowl team and ultimately i'll be satisfied with that i mean both espn bowl projection guys still have illinois in bowl games so i'm not at the sky is falling level after seeing this defensive performance that illinois will not make a bowl game i still think they are a six-win team because there's not going to be an offense or a defense that Illinois plays that is as good as Penn State the rest of the way. I mean, you look at the you look at the Big Ten West. Minnesota's quarterback play leaves a lot to be desired. Iowa, we know the Brian Ferentz meter of 25 points per game. Wisconsin, they struggled immensely against uh, Georgia Southern, so that was a, that was a shocker. Purdue had the turnover ferry against Syracuse. I think they threw three or four interceptions mm. that game. Nebraska, we know how Nebraska likes to shoot themselves in the foot. And then Northwestern, which I just don't take them seriously at all right now. So Illinois still is a top two, top three team in this Big Ten West until these other Big Ten West teams can uh, solidify themselves as a tier above uh, truly than Illinois. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about this Big Ten West, but you just like to see that warm-up, I guess, against a team like Penn State to come out a little bit better, especially offensively. I'm not jumping off my eight-win prediction. You know, I, I well, I, I mean, it was nine initially. I still think we win eight games. Um, I've been going back and forth with Nebraska fans on my timeline um, about where we should be ranked. But again, the team that I saw on Saturday – I think that was Luke Altmaier's worst game of the season. And it's going to happen that he's going to have growing pains. I don't think it'll be to that extent again the rest of the year. As long as we establish some sort of running game, you know, as we discussed earlier, you know, whether it's McCrae showing up or just one of the young guys paired with uh, Love who step up and uh, show that what they're capable of doing, 
I think we've got a sound offense. We have a potentially great defense. I still insist that the Big Ten West uh, title game is going to come down to Iowa City this year. I mean, you look at the rest of the schedule versus Nebraska at home at Purdue on September 30th. You have Maryland. I think Maryland's a loss because of the losses of the secondary. I think. I think they're just going to throw the ball all over the field, and it's going to be a fast-paced game, and I don't know if Illinois can handle that. But Wisconsin, that'll be a difficult one, but I don't think it's out of the question that Illinois can win. Um, And then Iowa City on November 18th at Iowa. I mean, that's going to be a – that's, like you said, that's the huge game the rest of the year. So there's it's foreseeable that Illinois only has two losses remaining on this schedule – maybe one to Iowa and maybe one to Maryland, but the rest of these teams, I think Illinois can win. I think, yeah. I mean, I said it in our preseason episodes. I think Wisconsin has not found their identity yet. And so I'm Mm -hmm. feeling more optimistic about that game um, than I was in the preseason. Purdue, Purdue, they seem to be going back and forth. You know, they had what looked like a pretty good victory last week against uh, Virginia Tech, but then they come back and they lose this week. So it's like they haven't really found their identity. There's going to be a lot of energy uh, in the air in two weeks when uh, we play them. Obviously, I, I think this year that we're in Le- West Lafayette, so they get the little advantage there. But I think Brett is and our staff is going to go all out trying to make sure we win that game. Yeah, I, I Maryland looks like they're going to be a tough matchup, and I'm not exactly very optimistic about that one, especially being away. Iowa looks good. Um, they look like Iowa, but they just lost their best offensive player. Uh, he's going to be out mm-hmm. for the year. So, you know, it's kind of let's see how they respond from that. I mean, it's a tight end, and Iowa probably has four or five-star tight ends just waiting in the wings. <laughs> but right now we don't know. So I think Illini Nation just needs to relax a bit. Um, the most important part of the season is still ahead of us. We just went through a grind in our first three games. Uh, you can tell Brett's tone that the schedule was made before he got here and moving forward when he has an influence on the schedule, he's not going to be doing uh, teams of that level. I'm optimistic, Austin. I still see eight wins for uh, Illinois. I mean, this game uh, oddly settled my nerves a lot. Like, I was worried that Drew Aller was going to throw for six touchdowns, and if it could have looked like that Iowa Illinois game uh, years ago, sixty-three to nothing, um, if it could have looked like that, but the defense settled in, and I think once a defense settles in, it's a lot easier to keep that as opposed to offense, which is a little more up and down um, week to week. But I think Illinois has found their defense even with the loss of their secondary because they do have Keith Randolph and Jerzon Newton uh, leading the way up front. I mean, so, again, I think this called my nerves because Luke Altmeyer he's not going to throw four interceptions again. I just don't see it. I think he's going to have a really good game against FAU and get his confidence back. So I, I need to see another clunker by him before I'm truly too concerned about Luke Altmeyer's future. You know, I was on this week's episode of the Big Ten Huddle by uh, Big Banter. And one of the talking points I had is maybe I'm taking crazy pills. And I know the final score of the game was 30-13. But I left the game thinking that Illinois fans had more reason to be optimistic than Penn State fans did. 
despite the blow up. You know, we just had one glaring weakness that entire game with our quarterback just, you know, throwing ducks and having the worst game of his career. Penn State's offense looked pedestrian. You know, they're two running backs. I was, mm-hmm. the more I was doing research uh, for the Penn State preview, I thought, man, both of these guys could run for 75 yards on us. They did nothing. Drew Aller, one conference player of the week, the week one. You know, he's he was the big guy that everyone was talking about um, coming into the game. He just looked like an average quarterback. You know, facing John Delaware Newton. is a little different than facing Illinois. <laughs> Apparently, Johnny Newton was terrorizing their offensive line. You know, if I'm Penn State and I'm a Penn State fan, you were supposed to win that game. Like that's not a shock, and most people had you covering the spread. But that kind of performance is not going to help you beat Ohio State. That kind of performance is certainly not going to help you beat Michigan. So. Again, as crazy as it sounds, and I know we lost that game 30-13, to 13, I left that game being more optimistic about Illinois' football future this season than I think Penn State fans should be for their future this season. I mean, if there's no four interceptions, if there's two picks, Illinois comes out and wins that game. I, I, I truly believe that. I think with the way the defense was performing in – a way that where rest wasn't an issue because there were some possessions that this defense looked dog tired. Exactly. So you you could not uh, contain them for another touchdown. So I think with the regular possessions, I think Illinois wins that game. Um, if you just have like Tommy DeVito back there at quarterback, I, I, I truly believe that. And you're not being a homer either, Austin. Like literally um, someone had posted – something about like the net ratings of what the expectations of the spread were compared to the final result. And Illinois and Penn State were neck and neck. You know, it just so happened to be, again, you know, not to reiterate, you know, just one really bad performance and those turnovers. But I feel good. I don't feel great. It's it, it, it's a bummer because I know we could have beaten the number 17 in the country at home. And that would have... Uh, change the mood a little bit but moving forward i think uh, i'm as excited as i've been for this upcoming season the real season starts now absolutely uh no more running quarterbacks and uh no more four interceptions so now we can finally hit the reset button on the season uh, one and two we have fau coming up on september 23rd 230 kick on big 10 network and we'll have more on that with the Atlantic cast but Shall we get to Big Game Boomer now? Yeah, I'm super excited to have him. Um, We had some interesting conversations, and uh, I think you guys will all enjoy this. All right, coming up next, we got Big Game Boomer coming up on the Alana cast. But that's it for me and... Welcome into the second segment of the Illini cast. Austin Berkland here alongside Sonny. And we have a very special guest right now. We have, you've seen him on X. You've seen him on Facebook. You've seen him on Instagram. You've seen him everywhere on the internet if you're in the college football world. We have Big Game Boomer joining the show. How's it going, Big Game? What's going on, guys? How's it going? Thanks for having me on. It's going pretty well. It's nice, you know, that college football season started, but it's hard to believe that we're already 25% of the way through. Yeah, it, it's it's the thing about college football, man. It just goes by way too fast. You got to just enjoy every moment of it. 
So, so during the season, are you just like constantly busy, like, you know, just taking interviews, going to games, uh, talking to people? Not, not as much as you would think. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I do like to go to games. Um, I, I mean, I was at the Illinois Kansas game uh, last. What was it? That, that two weeks ago. Yeah. Whew, that was uh, not good for you guys. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I've got kind of a schedule that I kind of work on with like co- content that I do every week, and and uh, you know it's fun. It flies by. I'll tell you that. But let's start out here, big game, because you're on social media a lot due to the yeah. nature of your work. Have you ever seen anything on social media like Deion Sanders has given Colorado and given the college football world in your time? Um, in the social media verse of college football? No, absolutely not. Um, Deion Sanders has changed college football. Um, and look, he, the guy gets a lot of hate, but I like him. I, I like what he's doing. He went in, took a 1-11 scrub Colorado team, and now they're the – I mean, everywhere you go, you turn on ESPN or Fox or CBS, anywhere, they're talking about Colorado. And – while you people may hate him and how they're like cocky and stuff, it brings more eyeballs to college football. And that's what I like the most about it. It, the sport is getting more popular because of what Dion's doing. Um, so, I mean, but it's crazy. I mean, you guys probably think it's crazy. Like Lil Wayne, the rock, like are at these games. I mean, just like all the rappers on the sidelines. I mean, it's, we have never seen anything like this before. And it's just kind of fun to sit back and watch it because, you know, they're three and zero. No one's thought they would, you know, win a game, and uh, you know, here they are in the top twenty-five, going to play Oregon on the road this week, and hey, who knows what will happen? It's it's a crazy times though. I, I like it. I like. I think it's good for college football. It's funny. I saw a tweet that made me laugh the other day uh, talking about imagine if you had graduated from Colorado last year. And you missed out on you missed yeah. out on this whole experience. How bitter you would be! Oh, now, yeah. obviously, you know, Dion comes with energy. He, you know, he brings eyeballs uh, to the sport. What do you think of his actual coaching ability? Like, where do you think he can actually take Colorado? Obviously, three and zero is super impressive. I, they're uh, over under uh, for wins this year. I believe was three and a half. So yeah. they're one win away from that. Yeah. Can they compete for a conference championship? Where can they go from here? I mean, it's going to be tough. We're, we'll find out in the next two weeks. I mean, I when you look at the schedule, they got, they got to play Oregon and USC back-to-back. I think they probably lose both of those games. But, I mean, the rest of the schedule is pretty doable. I mean, you got Utah at the end. I mean, they, they can beat Stanford, Arizona State. Um, who else they got? Uh, Arizona. Um, those are wins. So, I mean, I think they could go 8-4, and 9-3. and three, But it all depends. It's Shador Sanders – has to stay healthy. They got to keep him upright um, because he, I mean, he, he is an elite quarterback. Um, I, I mean, really come out of nowhere and just to put the numbers he's doing right now against, you know, power five schools, it's extremely impressive. And I just, I mean, I can't wait to see for this Oregon game, see how he does against the Ducks. I mean, they've got a good defense. Um, so, I mean, the ceiling is high. I just, I can't, I'm interested to see what happens when they lose a game. How's Dion and the t- team and going to react? Because it's just like all just, just hype, hype, hype. You know, when they actually lose a game, how's Dion going to react? Um, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to seeing because 
because I don't know what I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, quite frankly, from an outsider's perspective, obviously we're more centered in on the Big Ten. But what has changed from the Pac-12 from years past to this year, where they are suddenly beating these other conference schools in these non-conference matchups? It's the quarterback play. I mean, it's that simple. You've got, I mean, you've got Caleb Williams, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, Shador Sanders, um, Jaden Delore at Arizona, Dante Moore, Cam Ward at Washington State. I mean, there's like eight good quarterbacks in the league. Um, it's crazy. And it's like, I've said this before, they, someone needs to make a last dance type documentary, like the Michael Jordan last dance yeah. documentary on this season of the Pac-12 because – like we've all crapped on the Pac-12 for so long, but now here's the last season of it, and it's like this—they're going out with a bang, and it's—it's uh, it, it's crazy. But it, it's the quarterback play. You've got elite quarterbacks at eight schools, pretty much, um, that make it exciting every week. Now, you yourself—you are an Oklahoma fan, is that correct? That's right. Yep, I, I went to OU, so I'm a Sooner, Boomer Sooner. Um, got a Tulane shirt on, but you know, I've got, I've got all kinds of stuff. Uh, yeah, I can see all the helmets in the back. We're going to yeah, send you an yeah. Illinois one. I think I do have an Illinois one somewhere. I don't know where it is, <laughs> but it's around here somewhere. I yeah, believe you. I believe you. <laughs> we've, we've tried to stop talking about realignment on this podcast for a while, just cause that soaked up all the conversation for oh, you yeah. know, a good month, month and a half stretch, but we don't really get a chance to get some like an Oklahoma fans perspective. So with Oklahoma moving to the sec next year, what are your thoughts on how that's going to play out compared to what has been a pretty good dominant spell in the big 12? Yeah, I think it's going to be a rude awakening. I mean, shoot, they play Alabama, LSU, Tennessee. Uh, I mean, all these teams uh, in one season, it's going to be a rude awakening. Um, I think Texas is more set up for it with the money that they have compared to OU. Um, we do. I mean, we're OU is not is not an NIL powerhouse like Texas is. Um, so I think it's going to be it's going to be a rude awakening for a couple of years. Um, so I, like, there's a lot of OU fans that think that we're just going to go right in and and compete and for SEC championships. And I, I'm I'm more pessimistic on it. I, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm. I don't think it's going to be highly successful at the beginning. It's going to take a couple of years, I think, to get some recruiting classes under our belt to to get ready to for that play week in and week out. Because, I mean, look at the schedule this year. We play, I mean, no disrespect, Cincinnati, Houston. I mean, there's none of those teams in the SEC. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it, but could be a rough season. Do you think Brent Venables is the guy to – weather that storm or do you think when Oklahoma is you know at their peak powers in the future in the SEC it's going to be uh, led by someone else we're going to find that out in about probably the next next couple months if if he's the guy I mean last year I always give first year head coaches especially coordinators a one year kind of kind of grace period um, this season he's got a He's got to go in. Um, I mean, they started off 3-0. They're 3-0 they last year, um, getting the conference play. The defense has got to get better. Um, it, it can't lose to Texas 49-0 again. So, I mean, we'll see. I think he's the right guy because he's, he's doing a great job recruiting. He's an elite defensive coach. 
Um, we just got to, it's got to be better this year um, on, you know, on both sides of the ball. And we don't know that yet because they really, they haven't played anybody. So um, it's TBD at this moment. Mm-hmm. What do you make of the SEC this year? Is it, it seems like it's a down year because Alabama seems to not be as strong, but what are your yeah. overall thoughts of the SEC? Yeah, yeah, Bama, whew, man, I don't know if y'all watched that game, but that was just ugly uh, football down there in Tampa against South Florida. But, I mean, Georgia didn't look that great against South Carolina. I know it was raining down there in Athens. Uh, I mean, it seems kind of wide open. I mean, LSU, they got their butt kicked by Florida State. And now, uh, I mean, they had a good win against Mississippi State. But I think it's wide open. I mean, Mizzou, who beat Kansas State on that 61-yard field goal, I mean, they look like a team that could be competitive in the East. So it's wide open. There's no front runner. I mean, I guess Georgia is the front runner, but I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia loses a game this year. Or you know, And the SEC West is completely up for grabs right now. I mean, we'll see. Um, right now, I think it's LSU, but, you know, it's wide open. Is it fathomable that the SEC is not represented in the college football playoff this year? <laughs> that, there's no way that happens. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, Greg Sankey won't let that happen. Um, but, I mean, y- you got to get a team in with, t- I mean, if, let's say Georgia has two losses, I mean, maybe they, they would, I bet they would still get in because a, a two loss team has never got into the playoff before. So, that would be the only case if all the schools had two losses if if they didn't keep one out. But I just I don't see that happening. There there's always going to be an SEC team in here. Be hilarious, but uh, but don't see it happening. Moving along to the conference, we talk about a lot the Big Ten. How do you size up the race between the Big Three and the Big Ten East? Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. Well, I like, I mean, I, Michigan was my preseason pick to win the national championship. Um, obviously, they haven't looked that good uh, the first three weeks, haven't covered the spread on all three of their games against Cupcakes. Uh, McCarthy played really bad against Bowling Green, but I still think they're a solid team. I'm really, Penn State's the team that I'm, I'm high on. I picked them to go to the college football playoff uh, before the season. I think they're the most complete team. You guys saw them last weekend in Champaign. Um I mean, Drew Aller, he definitely is kind of green, has some room to improve. But I think, I mean, the defense is just stout. Um, the running backs uh, are, are, are very good. So Aller's just got to put it together, and I think he'll be all right uh, in the big games. And Ohio State, I'm not that high on. Um, we'll see how they look against Notre Dame this weekend. But I've got Ohio State going 9-3. and three. I think they lose – to Notre Dame, Michigan, and uh, Penn State. I think Penn State is is going to beat them in Columbus this year because I think much more – Ohio State's not a physical football team. Um, more finesse. They kind of remind me of Lincoln Riley like out in USC – like at USC, um, just, just a little more physical than USC. But I, I like Michigan and Penn State. I, I think that uh, when they play each other in Happy Valley uh, later, I think it's – I think that game's in November. That's going to be – that's going to be – probably for the Big Ten uh, East. I think that's the game that uh, that'll decide who, who wins the division. At nine and three, that probably means Ryan Day's trying to figure out which NFL up yeah. he's going to jump to, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the expectations of different fan bases, but I mean, if they, I mean, Notre, da- Notre Dame, before the season, I, I thought Notre Dame would not look as good as they do, but they look very good 
Um, Sam Hartman, I'm very impressed. So I think that they can really give Notre Dame, or Ohio State a run for their money. But yes, if Ohio State goes nine and three, Ryan Day is probably gone. Um, as crazy as that sounds. Thoughts on the Heisman race so far? It's like all the Pac-12 quarterbacks. Um, I mean, Shador Sanders right now, I would say, is the front runner. I mean, the 98-yard drive at the at the end of that game uh, against Colorado State. I mean, that that's that's your Heisman moment right there. Caleb Williams, he's going to put up just gaudy statistics. Uh, and Michael Penix Jr. I would probably say those three are the top three right now. Uh, Penix Jr. is just uh, that that offense is going to score. 60 points a game um it's i can't wait to see when they play usc when those two go up against each other but i'd say yeah shadur sanders michael Penix jr and uh caleb williams are probably my top three right now now uh luke altmeyer probably fell off the heisman watch list uh after his performance last week yeah what do you have like four interceptions yeah you know not not his best game for sure yeah but I'm always curious and like you know you usually are early in the week episode we bring a national guy on and I just like to ask him about the perception of Illinois football you know Brett Bielema coming back to the Big Ten and what kind of things you hear what kind of things you're seeing well I mean my whole perception of the Big Ten West is that it's ugly football but it's very it, it it's good football. It's physical, hard nosed football, and that's exactly what Brett Belima bring. You know, he had, did it up at Wisconsin, um, so I knew he'd have, have some success here. I, I mean, with Illinois, I had I thought you guys would finish second. You still could finish second in the West this year. I was at the Kansas Illinois game, and so was Austin. Actually, you were Damn. okay. Damn. You were there, was, okay. yeah. We were probably, I was in the Illinois section, so I I was uh, probably pretty close to you. Um, But just the lack of speed that I saw on Illinois' offense and defense was alarming. Um, That, I mean, that's just what, I mean, a ton of red flags went up. Uh, And just, you know, you don't have Chase Brown anymore. Um, Altmaier, everyone thought he was going to be a better passer than Tommy DeVito. That's kind of turned out not to be true. Um, So, I'm a little concerned if I'm an Illinois fan right now. I think uh, – I don't know if it's time to hit the panic button just yet, but uh, it's definitely getting there. I, I believe a good coach, confident coach. Me and him have gone at it a couple times on uh, – I, I That's kind of yeah, why I wanted to bring this up. Yeah, I've he got that. pissed off at me this season <laughs> when I ranked my defensive top 50, like, safeties, and uh-huh. I didn't have any Illinois safeties on there. And he went and uh, like got my list from the year before and like quote tweeted. It was like, here's your list from last year. You didn't have any of our guys on it last year. And we, we, they all got drafted in the NFL. So it was, it was pretty funny going back and forth with him. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, Illinois just looks slow right now. Um, but we'll see, we'll see how they look uh, when they start playing some Big Ten West teams. But, uh, yeah, not, not a good start uh, for the Illini. Yeah, schedule does get a little easier moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to see an offense like Kansas uh, in the Big Ten West. Yeah. Or Toledo. Oh, thank thank goodness. Toledo, yeah. That was a scary game, too. Yeah. Yeah. So you're in the business of rankings, and where do you rank Jerzon Newton in terms of defensive players in the country? Oh, I think I had him as an edge rusher. I think I had him at number one. The guy's a beast. I mean, he's he's – He's going to be a top five NFL draft pick, probably. I mean, 
And that was one of the one of the few things I liked about the Kansas game was watching him play in person. Um, he had a couple plays where he, he just you saw the skill able to just power bull rush, you know, a, a tackle and, and get to the quarterback. Uh, I mean, he, he's he's definitely the most talented guy on the roster. And uh, yeah, he, he's he's fun to watch play. Speaking of your rankings, you know, I'm, you know, pretty fascinated by this whole thing. You know, how you is it? I, I hope I'm not offending you by saying like this is kind of how you built your brand no, name. No, man, I, I started out with 50 followers on Twitter three years ago and never thought it would be like this. So, it, so it's how crazy. did you come to today? Like what you did you just start throwing out rankings and I just started sudden... putting out. Yeah, I, I just I mean, like COVID, like everyone picked up new hobbies during COVID and, yeah. you know, it weren't wasn't around to like, you know, we were all kind of alone, you know, isolated from our friends. So I just got on Twitter and just started arguing with fans. And then I just started posting my own opinions in graphic form and list form and just took off the rest was history. And, um, it, you know, it, it's fun. I still, I'm like, I was at like, a, I was at a, I was driving home from the Kansas game and I was stopped at a gas station in the middle of nowhere in Kansas. And I was getting something to drink and someone's like, Hey, big game boomer. And I was like, <laughs> what? It's like, how the hell do you know who I am? Yeah. And he's like, Oh dude, I follow you on Twitter. So it's, it, it's, it's crazy. It's cool. It's just I love college football so much. I love college sports so much. It's my way of kind of talking about it year round. Um, it, it's it's fun. It's been the most controversial post in your Twitter career. Ooh, most controversial. I mean, I feel like everyone's a little controversial. Um, I mean, the, definitely the stadium bathrooms. Whenever I do that ranking, <laughs> that usually gets people pretty worked up. Um, whenever you talk about college towns, best and worst college towns, that gets people worked up more than anything, because it's like, people take that as like, you're taking a shot at them. Cause you know, people, the passion of college fans, you don't have that in, in professional sports. Like you can't, I can make a list about anything related to a college and people will argue about it. You can't, you couldn't do that in professional sports. You couldn't argue about parking or, um, you know, I guess restaurants or, uh, fight songs or campuses. You can't, you can't do that in professional sports. So, uh, it's just, it's, it's hilarious to do the lists. And sometimes me and my wife, like in the evenings, we'll just crack, you know, sit back, look at the replies from the list that I posted throughout the day and just kind of laugh at the, you know, some of the responses it's, uh, it's hilarious. It's funny. Like sometimes you put out a ranking and it just so happens to be when I'm on Twitter and I'll make a little reply or a response and I'll go mind my own business for a little while. I'll come back a half hour later and my mentions are going nuts with the joke I'm trying to make. So I can only imagine what you're dealing with on your yeah. end. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just kind of learned to, I've learned to roll with it. Um, Cause I've got, I don't know. I've got 90 something thousand followers on Twitter and also a bunch on Instagram. Um, so it, it, yeah, I get hit from all different angles. So it's like, and, and you would people keep, I'm, I'm amazed at how people, people keep receipts. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> like Brett? I just like I, a tweet from like two years ago that I said, like pops up after uh, Billy Napier loses to Utah, like saying that, 
you know, he's a better coach than Brian Kelly. It's just, it's crazy. How, I mean, every, these bookmarks and stuff, it's, it's funny. It's like, and it's like people, they're, they're here to agree with you. And they're also here to disagree with you. They like doing both. Um, and so that's kind of the common ground I found with a lot of people that follow me is like one day they'll hate me the next day they'll like me. Um, so it, it's fun though, man. I, I'll, I'll tell you that it, it's fun. Never thought I'd be doing this kind of stuff. It's gotta be surreal. Three, like you said, three years ago, 50 followers. And now you're going back and forth with Brett Bielema. I saw, what was <laughs> yeah. it Shane Beamer had something? To oh say yeah. About yeah Shane Beamer got pissed at me. Yeah. He got mad at me because I didn't rank their student section uh, a couple <laughs> weeks ago, which I mean that when you play an FCS team, the student section is never going to be that uh, good of an environment, but yeah, you know, I, I like Shane Beamer. He's, he's one of my favorite coaches, but yeah, the student section rankings is a whole other like, thing that I didn't even, I just kind of did one Saturday, like a couple years ago and it just blew up. Like I, on Instagram, Instagram is a much younger following. Mm-hmm. I, on Saturdays, I get hundreds of pictures of student sections, you know, for me to like rank, to rank them. Uh, <laughs> and so I post them on my story and like a lot of times, like you'll get like, um, like for instance, uh, with Illinois, um, a Penn State fan will send me an Illinois picture of y'all's student section an hour before the game starts, uh, you know, to try and trash y'all. Um, right, right, right. So it's, it's hilarious. It really is. Boomer, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been a blast. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. I mean, you're, you're bringing the college football world together through division, and I think that's great. <laughs> yeah, no, hey, yeah. It, it, it's better than arguing about, you know, politics or anything else. I like ar- arguing about sports. So I appreciate I mean, y'all for college, having me on. The, we know the college football doesn't need to be introduced to you, but just in case we find someone who sees us who doesn't know who you are, how can they find you? Find me on Twitter, Instagram, got a podcast uh, on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, uh, and me and my little brother do. But yeah, um, I, I, like Dion says, I ain't hard to find. So um, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> right, thank you All so right. much for your you his theme music. It's yeah, Big Game yeah, Boomer. Thank you so music. much yeah, again. Play a little Boomer sooner in the background. <laughs> Appreciate y'all. All right. Take care. Thank yeah. you, guys. That was Big Game Boomer. And Sonny, what an episode. We covered the Penn State debacle of Luke Altmeyer. I'm still a little upset about that. Um, I just need an episode where I'm happy. Uh, that, yeah. That's where I'm at right now. You know, um, hopefully, hopefully next week we'll have that. If we don't, then we got some serious problems to look forward to for the rest of the year. <laughs> Absolutely. I will be out for the second episode, but Sonny will take good care of you on Illini Cast. But um, this has been the Illini Cast. Find us on X, find us on YouTube, and at Illini Cast. Thank you, Sonny. Austin, take care. Enjoy your trip.